your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. Welcome to special presentation with Mike and Ethan, or Elf will not be seen tonight. Now, if you've listened to us, you know that there is one thing about comics that both of us are extremely passionate about. You know, it's not it's not accuracy in storytelling or voices or animation quality. It's mustaches. You don't leave off the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> by that by that parameter uh th today's um today's uh subject is a rank failure absolutely yes i i feel like there was well i mean this what we have today is an artifact of a world before superhero movies except it's not really the before superhero movies because it's from you know, because it's from just after superman but uh Superhero movies had not really evolved to the point where we know them today. It's, we have, in fact, the basically the only, apart from something we've seen before, the only Mandrake production in nor existence, as far as I can tell. Yes, and we spoke of Mandrake before when we looked at Defenders of the Earth, which... Uh, was a cartoon series uh, in the 80s based on not just Mandrake, but also the Phantom, Lothar, Flash Gordon. Uh, I think probably a couple other uh, random old comic strip characters got thrown in the mix. Uh, um, but yeah, I think so. I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you which ones. Oh, I think actually, I think there was an ep episode we didn't watch where uh, Prince Valiant shows up. Wow. Um, that's. That's um I can't imagine Prince Valiant moving ever. <laughs> Prince, yeah, Prince uh, Valiant is kind of you know it is in fact a comic strip, but I tend to think of it as like an illustrated manuscript instead. Yeah, Prince Valiant was one of the very, very few things in the on the comics page that I just gave up on reading because yeah. it's like, okay, I I I don't know what's going on. It's, it's, I guess, a continuing story, but it's just like there aren't word bubbles. It's all just like text under pictures, and it's so serious, and uh, I don't even know. Like, Boring. I'll, you know, yeah, I was like, look, I'll read Apartment 3G. I'll read Mary Worth, but, like, I'll be, I'll, there'll be a cold day in hell before you get me to care about Prince Valiant. I have some dignity, Um so Prince Valiant appears on Defenders of the Earth at one point, apparently. Um, no, so Mandrake was all was not, not a regular, but Mandrake was a regular on that show. And, um, you know, he wasn't like this. He wasn't center stage. He was, you know, part of an ensemble. This is a this what we watch today is a 1979 film where Mandrake does take center stage. 
Um, this film is, I, I guess it was made for television yep. and um, never released on videotape or DVD or anything. So yes. it, it, it appears from the, um, uh, what it says here, uh, this, the, some, some person put it online from an old V like an old VHS or, uh, rip. And, Not even VHS. It was beta. Oh, wow. Beta. So that's some deep lore right there. Yeah. Um, ask your parents. So, they won't know either. So this is, it is kind of an interesting artifact of a different time because this was, um, when, you know, 1979, it was before, you know, VHS was super widespread or, or beta, any sort of video technology was super widespread. Yeah. Um, and so things would be broadcast and then you'd never see them ever again. And, um, you know, you, it's kind no of the end show of them outside of, you know, just broadcasting them on television. Yeah. So, I mean, this is really kind of the end of a, of a, of a media dark age, you might say, uh, mm -hmm. the late seventies, because after that, you're, it's you know a lot of the media that previously would have just disappeared into the ether was captured on videotape. And I'm not talking about like obviously like big movies which were preserved, sure, but I'm talking about like weird little shit. Like there's so much stuff from the VHS era, like Timmy the Tooth or like whatever yeah. that would have been lost otherwise, but we have because it's on videotape. So. Uh, and think about all the stuff from the 70s that, yeah, was not preserved and so yeah, completely true. lost. Yeah, I mean, um, there's and I get, like no copies of like, uh, there's one thing that's relevant to us that no copies seem to exist uh, called uh, Curiosity Shop. It was this show that was kind of an intention to uh, compete with Sesame Street when Sesame Street was new. And it actually had some... Uh, cartoons based on some comic strip characters though i couldn't remember which without looking it up oh wow wow um that's interesting oh, it would be nice if one of these days we could get a hold of it um i know that like you know my wife's white whale is a show called lights camera action which was uh an old show they used to put on nickelodeon where it was basically about like what what oh standby lights camera action it was like a show on Nickelodeon where they just like talked about like movie magic, you know, hosted hmm. by Leonard Nimoy. And ah. um, that's not even that old. It was like in the 80s. But for whatever reason, it was never released and nobody seems ago. to have actually taped it. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of lost. I think we're, we're kind of entering almost a new digital dark age now since like – Every every nothing is put out on physical media. Everything is streaming, and anything can disappear at a moment's notice if, like, some hot some some uh, you know network suit decides he wants a tax break. So, yeah. um, so anyway, yeah. But for 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 a brief few decades, media got preserved by accident, I guess. Yes. Anyway, and um, I guess we got used to it, and then you know they're like, "Hey, enough of that." You know, it sort of feels like sort of feels like twilight of the cockroaches where now that the guy has a girlfriend he isn't gonna stomach these cockroaches forming a civilization under his nose anymore <laughs> yeah we're entering the um we're entering the the um uh end game now um but you know i'll say this like um it did make me kind of you know in some ways it's like i feel kind of uh lucky to be able to see the mandrake movie considering that it 
sounds like it was lost media for a very long time. And it is a it is a glimpse into a world that no longer exists. Yes, um, this has this was added to uh, archive.org in May. So who know and uh, the picture quality, you know, the picture quality is not great, but this may be the only known copy. So well, it's the only known yeah. copy. And all about the only remaining <laughs> copy. Well, um, so yeah, it's kind of, uh, it, it, so you watch it, you know, kind of with a sense of awe be for that reason, but I wish it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, cause I feel like Mandrake the Magician, I think we might've discussed this before when we looked at Defenders of the Earth. Cause yes. I feel like Mandrake the Magician is a super cool concept and um, cause he's a, he's basically a crime fighting magician, right? Right. He can and, do magic, but he also does actual, you know, stage magic tricks. And I think one of the thing that makes him kind of neat is that you're never quite sure if he's using real magic or if he's just, uh, doing sleight of hand. Yeah, exactly. I think like that is, that is super cool. And there's so much, and that's the thing is any way you slice that, it's kind of, it's kind of fun because if it's like, Oh, he's a stage magician, but he can do real magic. I mean, that's cool. But also if he's just if he's just a stage magician who tricks people into thinking he's doing real magic, that's also cool. So it's like no matter how you interpret like his his whole thing, it comes out kind of like, oh yeah, this is a this is actually like a very clever concept for a uh, superhero. Um, you remember how the and, movie Willow ended? You know, that was really satisfying and Mandrake can do that all the time. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, uh, you know, th you have to work hard to make Mandrake boring, um, which actually makes me wonder, like, why has no one tried reviving Mandrake for the new superhero era? Because, man, you could do so much with him. It is, um, yeah, it is very strange that this is that he is such an unknown character. Otherwise, I mean, you know, when was the last time you saw kids running around in a Mandrake T-shirt or Anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe Defenders of the Earth didn't really revive his career much. So they were like, yeah, forget this. But <laughs> well, in um, Defenders of the Earth, it was, you know, it, it kind of felt like it was Mandrake and then these three schlubs who can't do anything. And Mandrake can do whatever he wants. Mandrake is like God yeah. on that show or like Dr. <laughs> Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess. He's, is he too overpowered? Is that the problem? Well, I mean, you could always redesign him, yeah. you know. That um, seems to be what they did here by giving him, you know, a weakness and that he has this he has this uh, talisman around his neck that he can't do any real magic without. And I mean, I can see the necess necessity of giving him some kryptonite, giving him a weakness. But at the same time, it just sort of feels it just feels like, you know, that's. You know, if all the magic is in that, then he's not really the magician, is he? Yeah, like I actually, yeah, I did not like that. Um, especially because even if that they they decided, yeah, he's got this magic amulet that is basically responsible for his magic, and it's like, okay, um, fine. But then they do so little with that because he loses it at one point. Some guy steals it, and then he just immediately gets it back. And it's like, all right, well, I mean. I guess that wasn't really much of a conflict, but um, also um, in general with Mandrake. Uh, so 
I, I guess do we need to reintroduce Mandrake, uh, the character, the comic character, to the audience before we get into this movie? Um, uh, think of a magician. There, you got Mandrake. Yeah, that's or basically. Think of any he wears- specific magician. He's not Penn or Teller or David Copperfield. Actually, that's kind of the problem with this is that it feels like they were trying to turn him into David Copperfield. Yes, they were. They had him because instead of doing the traditional, uh, you know, magician outfit, which, you know, the outfit, top hat, cape, tuxedo, that's a magician. That's what Mandrake looks like. Um, Instead of doing that, they had him in like like a black turtleneck with the medallion. So he really kind of the the vibe was much more like, oh, this is like. I don't know, like, this is like a, a, like a 70s occult guy who, like, yeah. you know, has, has like, you know, has a fuck pit in his house, you know? Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's giving you very, like, um, I don't know, like, I don't know what the, the vibes, very, very like, um, kind of, um, uh, 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 who's the guy that hung out with, um, um, uh, uh, with Hubbard? Oh, oh, uh, I don't know. Eric Schwartz? Elron L- Hubbard? Oh, Eric Schwartz. <laughs> no, no, it was like Elron Hubbard hung out with like this, uh, one of those like Telema guys. The guy who eventually, oh, Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons, Jack Parsons. sorry. Okay. I was going to say, the guy, the rocket scientist who eventually blew himself up. Um, oh. <laughs> Jack Parsons. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of an odd. It also reminds me of just, he just looks like a douchebag. <laughs> you know, when he dresses yeah, he like really that. Yeah, he really does. And you know what's disappointing about this is that when I read, uh, when you read the uh, promotion for it, it says Mandrake starring Robert Reed. I was like, oh, Robert Reed. Perfect. But no, he's not. He doesn't play Mandrake. And it's kind of disappointing. Uh, isn't Robert Reed like the film, a film critic? Uh, no, uh, Robert Reed is a Robert Reed was the dad on uh, the, on the Brady Bunch. Who later grew oh. an afro and mustache? Oh, okay. I was mixing him up with. I think I was mixing him up with someone else. Um, yeah, this um, uh, this this uh, this special does not have a whole lot of star power in it. Um, it it does have uh, James Hong, um, whom you know we all know. Uh, as soon as you hear his voice, it's like that's James Hong. Yeah, uh, he plays. Um, well, you know, it's it's in the 80s. So uh, he, of course, plays like a Tibetan monk. That was yep. the role he had to play in almost everything back in the 80s, except except for in, when he played Lopan. Um, but um, other than that, like, I don't know that, you know, they're working actors mostly in this. Yes. Um, but actually, uh, one thing I just I, I just read. Uh, interesting. When we're talking about Mandrake, the magician, the character, mm-hmm. and we said, just think of a magician, think of a generic magician. There is a magician you might want to think of if you want to think of Mandrake. And that magician is Leon Mandrake, <laughs> who apparently was a real life magician who had been performing for over a decade before the creator of Mandrake, Lee Falk, introduced the comic strip character. Oh, um, oops. Yeah. So apparently it looks like that uh, there's actually a, a lot of that Leon Mandrake actually leaned into this. And uh, changed his stage name to Mandrake to capitalize on the popularity of the strip. And um, in fact, there seems to be that some sort of weird thing where where then the Lee Falk kind of like 
seemed to like encourage people to think that it was based on this actual magician because that also gave the character some cachet. So apparently that worked out really well for both sides. Um, it also says that Leon Mandrake was accompanied by Narda, his first wife and stage assistant, named after a similar character who also appears in the Mandrake comic strip. Um, though, and uh, Velvet, his replacement assistant and eventual lifetime partner, would also make later appearances in the strip, along with his real-life sidekick, Lothar. There's so, a real Lothar? Um, there is a real Lothar. Now, Wikipedia, it's, it's a little unclear if these other characters were originally in the comic strip, and so he started naming people in the act after them, or they were in his act and then the comic included them as well. So I don't know which way that went. Um, but yeah, there apparently there was a real-life Lothar as well. Uh, this is assuming Wikipedia has not been completely overrun with AI garbage at this point, so I'm, I'm taking it on faith that this is actually a real thing. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, there's there's Mandrake, and then there's Lothar, and Lothar. I think Lothar suffers from the issue of the only thing that's ever actually maintained about him is that he's black. Yeah, I I think when we spoke of Lothar last time, we um, uh, Lothar is problematic at best. Yes, he was um, very prob problematic when he got started. You know, he used to uh, speak Hulk speak, and he would wear wear a fez, <laughs> and and at least in one comic he was referred to as Mandrake's giant black slave. Holy shit! Ooh, ooh, boy, ooh, Mandrake is canceled. That's why yeah. they won't bring him back because yeah. he's a slave yeah, I owner. I think that might be because they're because the ish because the the thing about you know when you when you have Mandrake, you have to have Lothar and. Lothar just just becomes whatever the coolest form of black person there is at the time is. Yeah, in Defenders of the Earth, I think didn't he was like he was like he was the he, he was kind he, of a, a muscle man James Bond who threw uh, grappling hooks a lot, and yeah, I, and he was oh, I vaguely the, the toy described him as a Caribbean ninja. Oh, okay, I vaguely <laughs> remember that he wore like a puffy jacket with no sleeves, which yeah. was kind of like shorthand at the time for like tough cool guy um yeah but um yeah i feel like i was actually thinking about this and i was like yeah lothar is a difficult character to incorporate to, to really update um because but i think i mean i'm gonna say this i think there are two ways you could do it that would work right i think one is you should have you could lean into the, the vaguely kind of circus theme of, of Mandrake, because he's a magician. Yeah. Because uh, Lothar, you know, he's already the world's strongest man. They, they call him that. So mm -hmm. it's like, look, just make them a circus act. Mandrake's a magician. Lothar is a strong man. Right there, you know. Um, it's, uh, the other thing that they could do, I thought, that, that I think would be interesting, if they, if they made a Mandrake movie now, mm -hmm. uh, gender swap Lothar, and now Lothar is the lovely assistant. I, I can get behind that, yeah. Um, of course, I'm also I feel totally like... up for them because they're always together. And in this movie, Lothar claims to have met Mandrake at a singles bar. So I think they're just married. Oh, actually, you know what? That's another good way to do it. If they are just a married couple, I actually like that a lot. In fact, I like the idea that Loth. No, here I like this. 
I like the idea that Mandrake is a magician and a superhero, and Lothar is just his husband. Yes. Because, you know, you could have a thing in the movie where at one point Mandrake gets kidnapped and Lothar's like, well, I have to rise to the occasion and go save my husband, you know, yeah. even though he doesn't actually have any superpowers. Um, but I think, yeah. I mean, I think there's so much you could do with Mandrake if you made a Mandrake movie now. Because, um, like, you could have him, like, you could have him, like, look, I feel like you could have him fighting against, like, James Randi or something, or a James <laughs> Randi stand-in, you know? Yeah, I love the idea of a magician versus a guy who debunks magicians. <laughs> I mean, at least, like, you would have that guy as, like, kind of the, you know, kind of the comic relief bumbling villain who's always, like, getting in the way while Mandrake is trying to fight, like, the main villain, who, the main villain could probably be actually, like, an asshole magician, you know, like... Like a David Blaine or yeah. Chris Angel type, right. who like, but who's who's actually like dabbling in real magic, but doesn't realize, you know, the forces they're unleashing, and then Mandrake has, to, man, you know what? You know, God damn it! Just make a Mandrake movie. You should hire us to make it. <laughs> so, make a Mandrake movie um, and make it better than this. Seriously. Yeah, because um, this one, let's see. Uh, like, okay, so Mandrake, as we said, is in it. He is. Uh, he's dressed like a douchebag magician instead of the traditional magician thing. Um, and uh, Lothar is in it. How 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 would we describe Lothar in this movie? He's uh, actually, I think Lothar is just his lovely assistant because he appears on stage with Mandrake uh, wearing this uh, revealing uh, wrestling singlet. And then we see him try to stop a uh, criminal who's escaping and nearly get run over by the car. And then he just kind of takes a powder for the rest of the movie. Yeah. He's um, he's, he's kind of just, what's well, funny. Cause then when, when, when he's off stage and he shows up just wearing that, like uh, the I, that, that, <laughs> yeah. What is that suit? It's like a like plaid. He looks yeah. like an accordion salesman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they they really went out of their way to emphasize that uh, when he's not performing, Lothar is just a regular guy. I mean, look, if, if you want to imagine Lothar's suit in this movie, just remember, just think of whatever John Arbuckle like gets duded up for a date. I mean, that's what he looks like. <laughs> he, he, he looks like he looks like the guy on Ren and Stimpy who's uh, the pattern of his clothes don't doesn't move when he walks. Oh yeah, like um, like they always do in, like in Chowder. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, it is um, yeah. Lothar is like you said. He takes a powder for this movie. He's there, but he his main thing is to kind of just like walk up after something has happened and make a dry remark. Um, oh, the never-ending dry remarks in this movie. Everyone's always just trying to one-up each other with one-liners. Yeah, but none of them are any good. No. Like, you know, the ones that Lothar tells, it's like, yeah, I've heard these. I've heard these jokes. Uh, these are old. These are like, you know, like they're like, oh, you know, uh, my uncle, he, he made a submarine to the screen door. Like that kind of joke. It's like, yeah. my God, really? It's like, take my wife, please. Um, but. Uh, OK, now I uh, like the idea that Lothar is his stand up warm up act. <laughs> oh, well, we got it. You know what? We got another aspect for the uh, new Mandrake movie. Yeah. Not only are they married, Ma like Lothar is a com is a comedian. He's like the he's trying to 
he's 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 the Fozzie Bear of uh, the yes. act. <laughs> oh man, just um, having them and just having them doing the moving right along song. This is going to be great. It could be about how the defenders of the earth got together. Oh man, actually, I like the idea that 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 it is now like Mandrake is, you know, he hears oh there, there's going to be like um I want to go to not Hollywood. I don't know where where you go to be a big magician. Probably Las Vegas, Vegas right? Yeah, like that's yeah. So he and Lothar are doing a road trip to get to Vegas, and that's the uh, that that's the plot of the movie. That's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, because that's also where comedians do their thing. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I imagine they're this this um, this 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 uh, couple. You know, they're on hard times because you know they're both struggling um, performers. But they get this, you know, they find out that they're gonna, you know, there's a big, uh, rich and famous contract if they get to Vegas. Um, <laughs> so they're that's what they're doing on the way. They will, you know, have to deal with that debunker guy and uh, the other evil magicians and stuff. But like once they get there and it ends with like, you know, we get to see the whole show that they put on uh, to write us applause from the audience, man, every, this movie just writes itself. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. They did not. That's the problem with, with uh, Mandrake 1979 is I feel like they, they were, you know, they were they were really handed an opportunity to do something, and they just did not. Um, this is, um, uh, I'm sure like this was watching this mm-hmm. movie. I feel like mm-hmm. they wanted to do Doctor Strange and couldn't. Hmm. Yeah it it feels like this was supposed to be a pilot for a series that never mm-hmm. happened. And you um, know, you know and, what was going on around this time? The Incredible what? Hulk show. So this, yeah, this has big, incredible Hulk energy. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, um, it's doing that 1970s thing where, um, people like, like, wh- what is the thing that you like seeing on TV in the seventies guys in suits, like punching each other, yeah. you know, like guys, and having guys really in three piece suits, car chases. Yeah. Oh my God. The car chases are so incredibly slow in this. <laughs> they're playing like they're trying to like hype it up with like the most like tense music ever, but it's like, you can't hide that. They're just driving along at two miles an hour <laughs> and their bumpers are gently kissing. Boom, boom. Oh my God. That is this whole movie. Again, this is, um, this is a relic of a, a previous, you know, era in filmmaking because like, you know, like nowadays, uh, so I mean, it's 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 a boring movie, but part of that is because the style of filmmaking in those days. Yeah. And, you know, like like nowadays, if things are whiz bang, whiz bang. Back then, they were like, okay, look, we need to have a, a five minute establishing shot of a building so that you know that's the building they're in. And then you have to have like shots of we have to show them like opening the door and coming into the room. So, you know, they're in that room now. And, you know, all stuff that they would not be bothering to show you nowadays because they would know nowadays if you see a character in a room, you'll just be like, well, I assume the character is in the room because I have just seen them in the room. (laughs) I don't need to see them entering the room to establish that that has happened. I will assume it's happened by the fact that it must have. Um this is so. There's a lot of that we run into with early reader, early writers. When you ask a kid to write a story, they tend to write it bed to bed, 
Like the story starts yes. with somebody waking up and then ends with them going to sleep. Yeah, it's very and then and then and then you know that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, also um, this move. You know what else I feel like? Um, do you do you know if you you know if you watch like an old movie from like the forties mm-hmm. or thirties or forties and they'll just like all of a sudden like they'll just drop the whole plot to have like like uh an acrobat troop perform or something yes all the time and yeah they just do that and and the thinking was like hey acrobats are fun to watch in real life so they'll be so they must also be fun to watch in a movie and that's not the case because you know if you see an acrobat in real life it's impressive but in a movie you're like well they they might have just done, that could be video tricks they might have fu- fucked up and just reshot it you know there's it doesn't have the same panache no and i feel like the 70s were like that for car chases cuz mm. they just show or not just car chases but just, just vehicles because so much of this movie is like oh mandrake's in a plane the plane is flying. The plane is in the air. I have to admit, okay. I was a little bit impressed by the plane crash at the beginning, probably because it didn't occur to me for a while that they probably just used a model. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, at that point, the plane thing hadn't worn itself out. By the fifth time that he's like, okay, we're going to fly the plane to Tahoe. Now we're going to fly to San Francisco. We're going to fly to Honolulu. We're going to fly back again. It's like, okay, I get it. Mandrake has a plane and he can fly. Um, <laughs> he has the special power to have a plane. Take that, Flash Gordon. He's, yeah, he's like uh, he's like the Black Manta of uh, of um, the Defenders of the Earth, whose whose power was having a boat. Um, <laughs> there, this um, this movie though is oh god, it's um, yeah. So so, but I, I really feel like there's a lot of just like people getting in cars and driving places very slowly and then getting in planes and flying places very slowly and just long lingering shots of like vehicles in motion. It feels like this was, this movie was made for like, you know, like a five-year-old boy who's like, I like things that go. (laughs) Here they come. Clickety clack down the track. It's lots and lots of trains and Mandrake. It's like, it's like, oh, I'll have big, wishing well, Willie is going to take, take us on to see big trucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, um, it is, uh, so, so that really slows this down, slows it down a lot, but, uh, don't worry because there's lots of other stuff to slow it down as well. Um, the, um. The flashbacks. The, uh, oh, that's right. There's flashbacks to Mandrake, how he got his powers, which is not really very important, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I mean and the powers are that he was told that there's magic, and when you grow up, you will master magic. And then they cut to, now that you are grown up, you are the master of magic. But if you ever take this <laughs> yeah, off, you'll like... no longer be the master of magic. <laughs> yeah, they're giving some mixed signals with that uh, talisman there. Also... That kid who plays young Mandrake, probably the worst child actor I've ever seen. And that is impressive because we've seen some bad ones. He's a bad actor, but he's honestly, he's too cute to be Mandrake. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's funny because he's like, dad, are we going to crash? 
no, son, don't be scared. I'm not scared. And I feel like <laughs> they had to add that I'm not scared line in because he was so bad at, at uh, showing at, at emoting fear that they were like, just say he's not scared. Then the people understand why he's acting like a robot. In the this, red light uh, on his chest is crash. on. That means he's angry. <laughs> but he does go to the this monastery, and James Hong teaches him the ways of magic, um, which is yeah, getting that. He didn't and then, just go there for no reason. He was the only survivor of a plane crash. But that's right. Um, it's never established why they're flying in the Himalayas. Like he acts like, cause he says he doesn't remember why they were there, which makes it sound like it's in, an important plot point, but it's not really. Um, um, in fact, actually that is a, that is a weird thing is if, if, um, if you made a Mandrake movie today, it would be the Mandrake origin story. Yeah. You know, cause every superhero movie is the origin story. You just tell it over and over again with slight variations. Um, but this is a random just Mandrake adventure. He's already like at, when the movie starts, he's established. He is a stage magician who also works for like the CIA, I guess. Yeah. Um, he's like a freelancer or something. So the CIA is like, Mandrake, we need you to do this. this we need you to do this thing. And um, uh, boy, we need we need you, Mandrake. We need you to uh, undertake this extremely disappointing mission for us <laughs> yes this disappointing mission for a billionaire who's like faking being rich except he's not yeah wow um this whole thing because they keep you know they they keep saying it up like it's like okay there there's um some some guy some mysterious uh some mysterious near-do-well is using Manchurian candidate type hypnosis to turn random people into assassins uh, in order to get this billionaire who is, uh, you know, like a defense contractor. And yeah. the, you know, and the the villain was like a, a, a CIA guy that went rogue and worked for the KGB. And there's all these implications that there's like going to be some like big, like kind of international intrigue happening, like James Bond type shit. And instead, at the end, the villain's like, oh, I just want $10 million. They <laughs> just want... I don't know about you, but yeah, my first thought was one million dollars. I that is exactly what I thought because <laughs> it was like, really, that seems really penny ante considering that like you are trying to like extort money from a from like a fucking defense contractor. Those guys are loaded. Um, but then it's also funny because when they say I want ten million dollars and the defense contractor is like, where am I supposed to get ten billion dollars? And it's like he didn't say billion. He said million. <laughs> maybe you should have retake maybe you should have said done the line again because um but uh oh yeah this defense contractor is like i i, I don't even this know how to describe Reed. this yeah I, I don't know how to describe his characterization it's so odd he yeah he's he's ostensibly i guess he's kind of the comic relief but you know, he's a little too hateable. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of a he's kind of a jerk, I guess. He's he's also just weird because he's like, ah, yes, all my it's, it's funny when he's like, I've got all, all this money. I inv investing in everything from like nuclear missiles to amusement parks. 
Okay. Um, and also, yeah, the um, I have to say the uh, the um, the blurb for this movie uh, is not incorrect, but it says um, that it follows the magician attempting to help an amusement park owner who's being blackmailed by a psychopath and who's murdering guests. And that makes it sound like, to me, I was like, that sounds like a really good Mandrake story because it involves an amusement park, right? right? So I was thinking we're going to have lots of like, you know, themed uh, murders happening. And it was going to be vaguely kind of circus-like because, you know, yeah, amusement well, park. Um, I, I don't know. How many circuses have you been to? I've never been to a circus in my life. I, I've never been to one that had a magician. That's that's true. Um, I don't know. I don't know how common a magician is actually at a circus, but I feel like they're in the same milieu. Yeah. To some well, degree. they they have um, girls who stand around in sparkly outfits. That's the. <laughs> yeah, they're they're kind of like they're both older forms of entertainment you know that um you know, that that feel like they're from another time yeah um so i mean i was so i feel like the the description makes it sound like a nice little goofy story which we didn't really get it felt like they were trying to blow it up into something bigger but at the end they didn't really have the you know they didn't really have the stones to do it and they were just like oh it's just for money he just this guy just wants money it's, I sort of suspect that they were trying to leave the door open for a series. Yeah, I mean, it. this whole thing, um, I mean, even the, the opening sh- like montage with the credits feels like this is supposed to be a series. Yeah. And um, in fact, the whole thing, when I said it feels like, it feels very incredible health, but it also feels like an extended episode of Heart to Heart. Which, <laughs> um, I, I it's... It just makes me think of Mitchell, honestly. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Well, that's because it's all these guys with like uh, big mustaches and three-piece suits just kind of walking slowly and pointing guns. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Um, hey, you got a suit, you got a gun, let's make a movie. <laughs> that is the thing. Is like everybody in this just wears three-piece suits, you know? Like, Which is funny because um, a lot of them are supposed to be Navy men. Oh, that's right. They're they're a lot. That's right because all the guys who were hypnotized into being um, assassins were, I guess, d- this was part of some sort of like navy experiment to, um, you know, uh, use mind control. Uh, so they're <laughs> all ex navy guys. Popeye. Yeah, <laughs> they also keep talking about like using hallucinogenic drugs to like mind control. So this is, there's some real MK Ultra shit going on in this that really doesn't pan out anywhere. It's kind of peters out um there's one shot here that i honestly thought was actually going to be the source of the sensible chuckle magazine meme but it wasn't oh (laughs) (laughs) which one was that or which Uh, which bit was that uh where the uh the one where the guy who the guy who was uh, hypnotized while chatting up the girl in Hawaii, when he goes back to his ship and blows it up, he sits down with a magazine to read after setting the bomb. And I thought it looked just like the guy from the meme. <laughs> oh, my God. It really did, actually. Um, that is a thing that happens in this. Like the guys who get hypnotized, 
they basically set bombs up and then just like hang around and get blown up with the bomb, which yeah. makes sense because, you know, you're getting rid of your witnesses. Dead but that's else. funny to me because it's like, OK, why are you setting timers on your bombs then? Because the whole point of the timer is so you can get away. But, you know, they have those big like cartoon timers on all the bombs. <laughs> yeah. The timers, um, are, the timers actually, are to give uh, Mandrake a chance to uh, de- disarm them. Otherwise, it's not fair. Although, uh, actually, Mandrake is very bad at that because yeah, uh, the first bomb, like, it, it goes off in the middle of, like, a beauty pageant. And, like, Mandrake is in the in the stands with, uh, the with um, you know, Robert Reed. Yeah. And you, you see the you see the explosion, like, you know, like atomize about a dozen bikini women. And, you know, meanwhile, Mandrake, like, just shoves um, uh, Mandrake, who is like well out of the blast radius just shoves uh robert reed to the ground and it's like well you didn't really need to do that you're clearly not in any danger where you are Uh, how many opportunities do you have to tackle a a millionaire in real life you know i mean fair fair it is funny afterwards when the cops show up and they're like oh what a what a relief nobody was injured it just it just we we saw that that bomb go off like right under like a dozen beauty contestants, but not a single one of them was injured at all. Not even a scratch. How about You'd that? Think there'd at least be like, you know, shrapnel. You would think, I mean, cause it did kill the guy who set the bomb, you know, cause he was, he was, he was just slightly right closer yeah. to it, I guess. Um, man, I'll, another thing about this movie is it's just, I feel like, God, you know, this movie is so, um, bad it's 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 paced or in this weird way where it feels like nothing is ever happening yeah like like i don't know it feels like like characters are like okay um uh something's you know there was a bomb okay do we have any clues no there are no clues do we have any witnesses there's no witnesses does anyone know anything nobody knows anything and it's like um (laughs) movie you need to give us some like something to go on because like they'll just say that and then later on randomly lothar will walk in from off screen and be like oh guess what the the, the police said that they found a thing off, off screen and it's like oh okay well it'd be good if our heroes at some point like did any of the detecting or anything you know for real there's that, a lot of funny. calling the Last police night, in i was movie. actually watching some of harry potter and the deathly hallows and it's a lot like that there's this whole oh is it like, really yeah, there's like this whole 30 minute stretch where Harry and his friends are just living in this godforsaken tent being like, what do we do? We don't know where to find the where to find the uh, Hodgkin's lymphomas. We, we are such <laughs> horcruxes. That's it. <laughs> oh, we're terrible. I hate you. No, I hate you. Fine. Fine. <laughs> well, at least it's true to the book. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that—that's why they had to stretch the book into two movies. I wish that, I bet they wish they thought of that earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you know, that's this—that's what let them stretch this uh, Mandrake to an hour and a half, considering yeah. you know <laughs> nothing happens. Yeah, considering it's it's probably based on about two weeks worth of strips, if it's based on any strip at all, which I don't think it is. <laughs> Yeah, I've never, um, I've never even found the Mandrake strip. I don't know where you would read it. Um, 
yeah, I have, I've never read Mandrake. It sounds like it was like the Phantom. It was like a newspaper strip. Yeah. Um, but you know, from what I understand, it sounds like Mandrake. You did a lot of kind of like globe trotting adventures. You know, like going to Africa and yeah. fighting pirates so and like, stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it's kind of kind of would be your jam because it would be like kind of like the kind of like the Hardy Boys. Yeah, you know, very, very Uncle Scrooge type stuff. Yeah, um, Tintinny. But yeah. yeah. But in this one, they were like, nope, we're going to make it like a very 70s TV thing where it's like he's going to be menaced by guys with mustaches and suits. Um, I mean, the main villain in this is like you see him and he's like, oh, it's a guy in a suit. OK, I mean, no flair, no flair. I mean, it's a movie about a fucking magician and no one has any flair in this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, where's um, the prestige? Exactly. Um, does no does does Mandrake do magic in this? He does a few illusions, you know. That's his. He does that. That's it's all right. Um, but um, he does a thing where they show his eyes up close, and then like he'll make a brick wall appear or a tiger or something to yeah. scare people. But also, he has this weird. I think they are just view master people's thoughts out of their heads. Oh, that's right, because he does that with the um, the waitress. Um, yeah, he he, after, uh, he actually gets to look at what she was looking at, which is, I mean, that is a pretty cool thing for a detective, but I guess I didn't really think of Mandrake as doing all that much detective work. Yeah, well, he not not he doesn't do a whole lot in this. It's mostly like, you know, basically like it's mostly the cops coming and telling him that they found things and he and him uh, being like, OK, I guess I'll get in my plane and go to the next stop. And um he also, um, um, what's the other thing that Mandrake does in this? Um, yeah, most, mostly flying his stuff around. Um, he doesn't do a whole lot of detecting. He does, um, he does that thing where I guess he's very mysterious because people keep talking about how mysterious he is when he's not around. <laughs> you know, he's, but, um, uh, yeah, that actually though, just blows my mind. <laughs> Oh, that that black turtleneck. Yeah, it's it just feels like, ah. <laughs> you know, what is this making up for? Is this because is this this is this how they uh, compensated for not being able to get hyper muscular actors in the seventies? Yeah, I feel like that was like a thing back then. Those those big kind of bulky turtlenecks that like make you look all beefy, you know? Yeah, um, he's got big old Kathy sh shoulder pads going on too. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, you know, the other thing about this movie is I feel like there's a lot of people like telling each other things like there's this there's this one old scientist that was like working on the stuff, but then he didn't want to work on it. So they 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 kidnapped him and took him to like this insane asylum, but they faked his death. And later on, you know, he escapes and he goes to watch Mandrake's show, but they catch him again, but and drug him. And put him in an ambulance and bring yeah. him back. And and then Mandrake finds him again at the in asylum. And they explain that whole thing in detail to each other. You know? And it's like, oh, thanks. Thanks. Thank you uh, for explaining that. I, um, you know, however I, the audience, I witnessed all those events happen. So you really don't need to tell me that they happened. I saw them happen. That <laughs> I watched the movie. You know? The movie that you're all in. Um but, 
Oh, actually, kind of unrelated, but but this 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 is kind of funny, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I was I was watching the movie, and it's it's not often that like you know you know it's um I, I like the ladies as much as you know uh, the next person who likes ladies, but mm-hmm. it's rare that I I see a movie and get struck by you know an actress and think mm-hmm. like oh that's that's a cute look I think she's cute, but. The, the actress who plays the um, the waitress in Hawaii, I thought she was like, yeah. I thought she was uh, kind of pretty fetching. Me and too. I was like, so I was wow, curious. That's unusual. Yeah. But I, I looked her up because I was just curious about her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna K. Men- Benz is her name. And, um, you know, she's she's been in other stuff, but, um, but I found... Um, an article about her that was written in 1982 uh, when she went to do a movie called The Challenge. And mm. I think this article is is fascinating because it shows you the state of racial and sexual politics in 1982. Oh. And th- let me just say that that um, th- that. The way this article is written today, we would, we would call it problematic. Okay. Oh dear. But uh, here, let me let me uh, let me recite a little bit for you. This is called. So this is a uh, this is from the UPI archives by Vernon Scott, UPI Hollywood reporter, and the title is "Japanese American Actress Goes Native." Uh, Dateline Hollywood. Talk about carrying coals to Newcastle. How about taking a Japanese-American actress to Tokyo to teach her how to be Japanese? That happened to Donna K. Benz for the movie The Challenge. A second-generation American native of Hawaii, Donna doesn't look Japanese. She doesn't exactly look Asian either. Donna is an authentic exotic. She could be mistaken (laughs) for an alien in any land. Beautiful, dusky-skinned, foreign, mysterious... If anything, one might fantasize the willowy young woman gracing a South Seas island. She has large, luminous brown eyes, long, straight black hair that cascades to her waist. Her full mouth is sensuous, her cheekbones pronounced. She is easily visualized in a sarong. In reality, however, Dawn is considerably more prosaic. She is a dentist's wife, mother of two children, and lives in the San Francisco Valley. She is a full-blooded Japanese who traces her family back seven generations to Kyoto, where the challenge was set. Director John Frankenheimer signed Donna to co-star with Scott Glenn and uh, Toshiro Mifune after banning the notion of hiring a native Japanese girl. His leading lady had to speak flawless English, and for that reason he passed up Yoko Shimada, the beauty who played the feminine lead in Shogun. Uh, anyway, um, then, then she says, uh, it quotes her about how she had to learn how to speak Japanese. Um, and she mentions how she's known how to use chopsticks since she was a child, but had to <laughs> learn the formal table etiquette. The most difficult thing was learning to wear a kimono and carry myself as a Japanese. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, so anyway, it was reading that and it was like, that is definitely not, not the way that we talk about people nowadays. No. <laughs> Um, we are told that she um, owns oh, property and votes. Yeah. She also, um, it says that, um, she, uh, let's see. She, um, 
Oh, she did her best. She says, I did my best to unlearn my American instincts during the four months in Japan. I also, I also discovered how chauvinistic the Japanese men are. Japanese women are really second-class citizens. While I was learning to be Japanese, I spent a lot of time mastering some of the martial arts. <laughs> I'm not a black belt or anything, but I can handle myself with Taekwondo, Taekwondo, Aikido, Kenjutsu, and Kendo. I used them all in the picture, which gets pretty rough in places. My biggest surprise in Japan was not seeing a single soul who looked like me. Even in Tokyo and Kyoto, people mistook me for Filipino, Polynesian, or Eurasian. My skin is much darker than the average Japanese. It, it is very funny how they keep ref saying, referring to Japanese people as just Japanese. <laughs> it, as, it feels yes. weird. I am a Japanese. Uh, Two Japanese came yeah. into the door. I wish I was, I was also a Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very odd. Anyway, um, so this is uh, this is not. <laughs> like, um, I went into. I was like, uh, I, I, we can't use the swimming pool in the gym today because all the pregnants are in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it feels I, it feels like it's racist for some reason, but I don't know if it is. You know, I, I don't think. Um, well, I don't think a Jap a Japanese person from Japan would necessarily think so, but you know, Japanese Americans, you know, I will defer to their them on the subject. Yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, the point is, uh, Donna, uh, Donna, um, Donna. I've, I've already forgotten her last name. Sorry. Um, she's she's a lovely actress. Probably one of the. I mean, she doesn't really have much to do in this movie, but no. she probably is a better actress than most of the other people in it. Yes, I really um, liked her uh, chirpy uh, personality in this. She seemed, you know, like, you know, why isn't she the lovely assistant? I mean, she's got, I feel like she has a lot more stage presence. So she would have actually been really good in that role because the woman who is the lovely assistant, I mean, she's just there. I don't know. Yeah. Really, I don't remember her name. Uh, she the main thing I remember is she goes to re to to check in on the other woman in this movie. Yes, who the daughter I, of I the uh, kidnapped scientist. That's right, and like two guys are kidnapping him, kidnapping that woman. So she goes up and swings her purse at them, and they like smack her, and she instantly falls on the couch and goes unconscious. <laughs> yeah, it's like bam, tap you down. I would think. That, yeah, it was uh, like somebody I was. I would think that somebody who worked in magic would uh, know how to, like, you know, roll with a punch, but not that you yeah, get punched I guess a lot in magic, but you know what I mean. You know, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, the theatrical movement. I took three years of that in school to avoid going to gym class. Yeah, I would think that she would like, you know, I, I feel like they were like, look, we need we need this character. We need the I guess they needed the, the scientist's daughter to get kidnapped. Actually, they don't really, do they? Because he's he saves her at the end, but he could have just saved the original scientist. He didn't really yeah. need a second person to save. Um, but I guess they were like, look, we can't have... We need to set up a scene where the, the assistant uses a telephone to call Mandrake to tell him that something has happened. And Mandrake says, get off the telephone and call the police. Because they do that, like... Constantly throughout this movie, yes. it's like phoning each other and saying, "Hey, everyone, call, call, call the police! Better call the police!" It's like Mandrake, you're an international super spy. Are you going to do anything? No, call the police. No, Mandrake backs the blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, anyway, I feel like this movie, okay, movie would have way better if it was a road trip about uh, Lothar <laughs> and Mandrake, uh, you know, a, a struggling couple on their way to Las Vegas, you know, having to deal with uh, debunkers and um, uh, evil magician. And I got another idea. What if on the way to Ve- – oh, no. Oh, okay. I got it. This is perfect. <laughs> you know, on the way to Vegas, like they um, they meet, you know, a, a girl is hitchhiking, right? Who's also a lovely assistant. And oh, she comes go. between Lothar and uh, Mandrake because Mandrake has to make – they have to make this. Mandrake starts thinking like, well, you know, it's going to be hard to like make it in Vegas as a gay act because like people are homophobic. It'd be so much easier if I had like a girl lovely assistant. And, you know, and, and Lothar is feeling like, you know, neglected. And, you know, that you, that's what you have the long dark night of the soul. But in the end, they, they in fact, maybe this lovely assistant world is actually working for the evil magician and trying to like break up Lothar and Mandrake because yeah. they're actually more powerful together. And she thinks that if they break up, then, you know, the, the her guy will win. And man, this is ugh. OK. Um, anyway, uh, and we should get Donna uh, Benz to play this 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 uh, this character too, with yeah. her you know um, her her luminous brown eyes and uh, pronounced cheekbones and full sensuous mouth, and ability to handle chopsticks since she was a child. <laughs> she's the full. She's a complete package. She's like a full blooded Japanese. Yeah, poor poor Lothar is like, look at her handle those chopsticks. How could I ever compete? <laughs> man um i i can't believe that uh well you know what um i guess this is why uh mandrake the magician uh was in the in the disney vault for like you know 30 years and yeah. um we're only rediscovering him now because nobody felt like taping this off tv yeah and once again we find that the solution to making things better is to make them queerer just keep turning that dial yeah. up and up, you know? Someone should, like, someone should pay us for this one of these days. Pay us to clear um, up your old comic strip and make it better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about it. If, is, I mean, you, I mean, I think you're really right, because, like, is there any, um, is there any, uh, superhero that's more inherently queer than a magician? Because, I mean, I feel like magic is already a pretty pretty gay you know it's pretty gay so yeah. not in a derogatory way i mean it is it's it's like the gayest of the stage arts i feel i mean in a derogatory way i mean i feel like if you said my favorite comics if you were in fourth grade on the playground and you said my favorite superhero is mandrake you'd get a lot of what are you gay <laughs> yeah um not that there's anything inherently gay about it it's just the kind of thing that people react that way to you know, kid, yeah. you know, kids can smell when you're queer and they and they dig it out of you. School's hell. Yeah. I think every, every kid, I think every every kid can instantly guess that like Man, Mandrake is. Yeah, Mandrake, Mandrake is gay. I mean, I feel like even I feel like even this this inferior um, uh, characterization of Mandrake that we get in Mandrake 1979 
I feel like he still comes across as pretty gay in this. I feel like yeah. he, he is a gay character. His, um, you know, his relationship with Lothar is so, you know, husband and wife and nothing else. Yeah. I mean, cause we have basically two, there, there are two potential love interests in this movie. There's two women. There's two interchangeable white women. We're not talking about Donna at this point, but no. there's two white women that, that, uh, cause that he interacts with. And it feels like the the movie wants to like tease one or both as a love interest because he has some history with um, the scientist's daughter, yeah. um, but there really is no chemistry there. Like he meets her at the airplane, and it's just like, oh, oh and it's just How extremely do? awkward. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I I I don't buy that these two are a thing. But yeah, the the. the the bad dad jokes with Lothar, that's an extremely, like, old married couple thing, you know? Yeah, Lothar and Mandrake talk to each other in this, the way Fred and Wilma Flintstone talk to each other. Yes, yes. Wow, there, so it's, there's there's incredible queer subtext in this uh, 1979 Mandrake. <laughs> um. <laughs> but then um, he also talks like that with the villain, where they're, you know, t- trying to trump each other, slinging insults back and forth. Yeah, well, you know, the, well, the villain has him uh, trussed up in a straitjacket. Yeah, exactly. Oh, th- th- that was my favorite part. Is like, how do we stop an escape artist? I know, we'll put him in a straitjacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have a and lot of like experience to, to getting out of torture those. you. I'm going to hide your pet white rabbit in a place you'll never suspect. <laughs> <laughs> I like this yeah. idea. A villain who's a villain whose theme is that they accidentally set up magic tricks without knowing it. Man, oh, that would be that actually is a really good idea. Man, I wish I wish we had the uh, I wish we had the the man, Mandrake uh, copyrights. Yeah, or whatever. Where, where do we sign King Features? We'll we'll make does, we'll fix does, does anyone actually for still- you. <laughs> Is uh just wait? How much longer till Mandrake is in public domain? Uh, he was he started in 1934, so eh, ten more ten more years? No, five more years actually. Oh, okay. Well, unless Disney does some fucking bullshit to like yeah. you know, well, I don't fuck know. That they don't, they're running out of time to stop the uh, stop the public domaining of Steamboat Willie. <laughs> well, I um uh, I wouldn't put it past them to do something because yeah. you know. For some reason, they really want that cartoon. They really don't want it ever. Oh, we want Steamboat Willie. Well, <coughs> why? You don't show it. Put it in the fucking vault. We never see it. Just get, get that tax credits, break. and that's it. Yeah. So also, it's like, oh wow, Mickey Mouse. He he's he's running a boat. Cool. Oh boy, he's I guess strumming on the teats of a cow. That's clever. Oh, oh yeah, look, he's spitting. Like, oh. Oh, that's right. Doesn't he? Uh, he doesn't he chew tobacco in that one? I think he does. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember if he's. Uh, mostly, I remember him peeling potatoes. But it's been a long yeah, time I since I saw that. it. And, and the potato peeling bit wasn't nearly as funny as when they did it in Ren and Stimpy and have them peeling H bombs. <laughs> well, you know, in general, I have to say that like when Mickey Mouse does things, it's generally not as funny as other cartoon characters. That's true, yes. Because, um, you know, Mickey's just always like, ho, ho, it's me, Mickey, ho, ho. Why are you laughing, Mickey? Nothing funny is happening. Stop it. 
what is it, a nervous tick? Do you have something you're guilty about, Mickey? What's up with that? What's going on? <laughs> what are you hiding, Mickey? What, where's the money, Mickey? <laughs> where's the goddamn money, Mickey? Where's the money? What's, What's in the, the box, money, Mickey? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, did we actually discuss the plot of this Mandrake movie? Um, uh, Mandrake gets kind of shuffled back and forth looking for looking for the bad guys and then he finds them at the end yeah um they're gonna and they're gonna blow up on a they were gonna blow up a uh um a roller oh, coaster yeah, a nuclear reactor point. yeah and, oh know, and a nuclear reactor at the very end after all and after but, all these years of watching the simpsons i had you know this is not what i imagined a nuclear reactor to look like at all oh yeah it just kind of i mean it just I'm sure they just filmed it at like some random like sewage plant or something, you yeah. know. That's probably not an actual. They probably didn't go um, to an actual nuclear reactor. No. Um, they do that thing with like I actually did think for a while that like the one of the guys, that, one of the um, you know hypnosis assassins, um, the the one who doesn't die and they try to deprogram him, but it doesn't work. I thought that was Dean Stockwell at first. <laughs> it doesn't look like him. I, yeah. Yeah, I could not get a good look at his face. And I was like, is that him? Is that him? Come on, show me. But no, it's not him. Um, but uh, yeah, they they basically, they they stopped the uh, the bombing of the roller coaster. They stopped the bombing of the, um, the nuclear plant. Uh, the rich guy is all like, I don't have the money this guy wants because I'm, all my assets are like not liquid. And it's like, you still have them, man. You could liquefy them. I mean, I don't know why he's he's why the bad guy seems to like be be like upset about this because he's when he's like, I can't give you the money because all my assets aren't liquid, and it's like, oh darn. Well, I guess that's it. You just, just what is that? Just they're liquid. Just liquefy them. Sell them. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah, but you know, you gotta I mean, find a you gotta find a buyer. You know. Who you, well, yeah, but I'm who, who is going to buy a amusement park that you were selling for ten million dollars under duress? Well, I'm just saying is I feel like you know you you if I feel like if you're selling an amusement park, probably ten million dollars is probably a steal. So yeah, probably, you know, yeah. so you know, if, if I would be like, look, find something that's worth more than ten million dollars, sell it cheap for ten million dollars, give the ten million dollars to me, and I'll stop blowing up your things that you have. You know, um, <laughs> not a hard concept that are worth more than $10 million. I think that's probably like, that's the thing is like, it's, it's such a dull motivation for a villain because you're kind of hoping that he's either got like, you know, it's, it is some sort of like weird MK ultra shit going on or yeah. he's got a personal grudge, you know, to make it interesting. But instead it's like, oh no, I just want $10 million. Oh, uh, you know what? This really reminds me of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It does, especially the way the villain just appears at the end yeah. and explains everything <laughs> while wearing a three-piece suit. Yeah. Um, it was the same. Like, what, what is the talk of the Killer Tomatoes from? Like, very early eighties, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, there's definitely that same vibe uh, going on here. Um, although this this movie has uh, considerably fewer jokes mm-hmm. and. Um, Except for Lothar, I guess. He tells a yeah. few. Yeah, Lothar. Yeah, he's kind of the comic relief, which is weird. And it's like, Lothar, the comic relief? I, I think he's good for a lot more things than that. 
Yeah, it's funny because I guess Lothar, they, they, you know, Lothar was originally in the comic strip. He's African. He's an African prince who decides mm-hmm. to work with Mandrake. Um, and they kind of, they kept that aspect of him. But, you know, he has what well, this like thick Chicago accent. So it's mm-hmm. kind of funny when he's all like, yeah, my dad, he's the, uh, he's the chief of the, uh, you know, the tribe over in Africa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, I don't believe that you're from Africa, man. You mm-hmm. don't, you don't sound African. Um, oh. but nah, I'm from Africa. I used to, I used to rescue, I used to wrestle water Buffalo. You know, I'm really good with the bulls. Duh, bulls. <laughs> Duh, bulls. <laughs> you know, he's, um, but yeah, because I, I, there was that one bit where he's all like, oh yeah. And also he says, also I'm a sorcerer. And it's like, oh, you are, but you don't, do, I haven't seen you do magic. Cause he's like, I'm a sorcerer. And like the, um, well, the, the woman is something. like black magic. And he's like in more ways than one, which is kind of, kind of funny. Actually. I, I kind of thought that was amusing, but yeah. it's, it's also weird that she set him up for that. Cause she was like, oh, black magic. It's like, what are you, I've, what are you implying lady? What are you saying? You saying I, I do black magic because I'm black? Is that what you're saying? Or you accu- or or are you accusing me of being evil? What are you saying here? <laughs> yeah, black magic? Yeah, damn right. I turn white women's babies black. <laughs> oh my god, damn. Uh, Lothar is a. I feel like that's that that joke. He should have just said it. He shouldn't have been set up to say it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it would have been fine if he was like, "Yeah, I'm a sorcerer, black magic, in more ways than one." Ba-da-da-da-da. But her saying it is like, you know, I feel like if I was Lothar, I'd be like, "You can't say that, lady. You you're not a lot. You're not. We have what, a history you know, of that word. Yeah, it's like I'm sorry. What what? Sorry, what? I don't go around call. I don't go around calling. You know, saying what you do is honky magic. What are you What are you doing here? Um, I, I remember, you know, a black coworker of mine saying, uh, greeting me with, uh, you know, "What's going on, Brosif?" I was like, "Brosif, that, that's our word." <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> that's that is a very white peop- white that's person that's, word that's to the say. Whitest thing I've ever heard a black man say. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, uh, someone was saying the other day, was like, you know what's a, what's a really great thing white people say? Newsflash. <laughs> like, when something happens and you want to be like, newsflash, asshole, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, I love it when white, white people just love saying that. And it's like, oh, yeah, we do. We really do say that a lot. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I never thought. I, I always say it like, we take you now to Kermit the Frog with another fast breaking news story. Well, is is Kermit coated white? Oh yeah, lily pad white. Yeah. Well, you know, it ain't easy being whatever he is. <laughs> yeah, I read a um, in the uh let's see, in the book uh Ego Trips Big Book of Racism, there's a whole article where they lay out the actual ethnic coding of the Muppets. Really? They, okay. Yeah, where they point out, okay, yeah, yeah. Kermit is a Kermit is a white dude. Ralph is black. I can buy that. And right. Okay. Yeah. Also suggests that both Piggy and Fozzie are Jewish. I can totally believe that. Right. Right. I I follow that. Then it suggests animal is Mexican. I was like, I I can huh. believe it. Huh. 
Interesting. I actually never thought about that, but now that you say it, I can, I can, that scans. Okay. And then it says that Ernie and Bert are Dominican and Puerto Rican. He's like, huh, I could believe it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why that's so, I feel like maybe it's power suggestion because as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, the big question is what is Gonzo? Oh God. What did they say Gonzo was? Shoot. Oh, ah, what did, what did, what did they say Gonzo was? He was like, oh, I don't remember the Gonzo one, but I remember that they said that Cookie Monster was Iraqi (laughs) and that okay, Um, (laughs) the count was Israeli. (laughs) Oh, uh, interesting. (laughs) Um, Okay. The the Swedish Um, chef was actually Canadian. Oh, okay. Well, now they're just being silly. Yes. Um, because everyone knows that the only Cana- the only Canadian in the fucking Muppets is uh, Pepe the Shrimp. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, um, man, I hate Gonzo. that fucking shrimp. I, I, I hate that shrimp so much. Gonzo. Pepe is yeah, <laughs> Pepe's okay, but he's no replacement for Rizzo. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing. It's like, he's a Rizzo come lately. I feel like yeah. Pepe, every time I see Pepe, I'm just like, the Muppets are like trying to make Pepe happen. It's not going to happen. No. They're just like, oh, everyone, it's, I feel like it's like Poochie, you know? Like, everyone should be asking, where's Pepe? It's like, I, I do not like this fucking Pepe. Oh, oh, Pepe the King Prawn. What? That's not even a thing. It's not a thing, a King Prawn. I've never heard of it. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. God. Um, Still, uh, his line about the coincidences in The Wizard of Oz was really funny. Well, okay, I'm going to say, in my opinion, Pepe is the worst Muppet. He is the worst of all the Muppets. Um, I don't know. I know, Ethan, you you are um, a big fan of the Muppets, so I don't know if you have a a worst Muppet, but I'm I'm curious if you do. Do I have a worst Muppet? You know... Pepe is not my favorite, but I don't know if I would say he was the worst. Um, is there one that I never look forward to seeing that that you see all the time? Uh, not really. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess no- if we're talking about are we including Fraggles and Sesame Street characters and like Labyrinth characters in this too? Like any Jim uh, Henson's Creature not, Shop? No, not, not just. Uh, let's keep it to the Muppets who call themselves the Muppets. Okay. So I would, you know, well, for one thing, the problem with Pepe is that he's supposed to be part of a double act. He's supposed to be with Seymour and we don't see Seymour anymore. Wait, who's Seymour? Seymour is an elephant that he did acts with together on Muppets Tonight. Oh, I don't even remember ever seeing that guy. Yeah, see, exactly. He's been, he's been vanished. Guess we're seeing less of him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, According to uh, Muppet, <laughs> oh, very good. According to Muppet Wiki, it says here that uh, it says that yeah, on Twitter, Pe- Pepe was asked in 2012 what happened to Seymour lately. He says uh, there's we're still friends. We just he just can't fit in a lot of the clubs that I go to. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, the singles clubs, um, not doubles clubs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would say, like, like there are not a lot of Muppets that I dislike. Most of them are pretty okay, you know. 
Um, you know, like, it's hard to rank them, because, like, you know, like, obviously, if I were to rank the Muppets, uh, Gonzo's the best. I think yes. everyone agrees on that. Gonzo is the number one Muppet. Um, and then, like, you know, th- then I like most of the main ones. Um, I would probably put Beauregard higher than most people, because I'm a big Beauregard mm. fan. Um, yeah, I, I think he's I fun. I see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like, the only ones, oh, boy, I mean, this- I don't... Mm-hmm. The Muppets characters list on the Muppet Wiki. It lists Annie Sue as one of the main ones. Oh come on, Annie Sue! I've anything. never even heard of her. Who's, now who's we, that? Is that like we talked about is her like Prairie when Dawn we did the or Muppet something? Babies episode? No, Annie Sue is uh, a younger, skinnier pig that is super talented. She's Miss Piggy's worst nightmare. Oh, uh, okay. I think I've probably seen her around. Um, huh. Um, okay. I think that, um, God, okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I don't like Pepe and oh, I'm going to say I know it. who my least favorites yeah. are. Okay. The worst ones, Andy and Randy. Andy and Randy. Yes. They are, uh, Miss Piggy's nephews who showed up on, uh, Muppets tonight and they are a pain in the ass. And I'm so glad that they don't show up anymore. Oh, are they like what, like troublemakers or something? Uh, no, they just uh, yeah, tr- troublemakers and you know, intensely inept and also very enthusiastic. So basically, scrappy do. Oh yeah, I don't know why they keep adding characters like that in, in these things. No one ever likes them. Ugh. Um, I have not seen them though. Um, so I'm trying to think. Like, uh, I don't like I don't like Pepe, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. This is going to be controversial. Okay, I'm going to say something okay. controversial. I don't like Clifford. Really? I don't like his. I don't. I mean, I don't hate him, but I don't like his attitude. He thinks he's so cool. He's always acting like he's really cool, and I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> him acting like he's cooler than me. Like that's the thing is, I like I like Kermit because Kermit's a down to earth kind of guy. You know, he's not like shoving his coolness in my face. Not like that <laughs> Clifford guy. I mean, what is Clifford is like, what is he, a catfish or a monkey? They can't decide. I don't like that either. You know, I like I like things that you know what they are or you don't know what they are. Like a gonzo. You don't know what he is. That's the point. I like that. But I don't like when I don't know. Anyway, I have opinions on Muppets. Um, <laughs> now, these are your I think your your opinions on Muppets, right or wrong, are valid. Thank you. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, but no, most of the Muppets are, are pretty okay. Um, yeah, I think I mean, probably it's, like it's hard to have a bad one, honestly, because you know by the time a by the time a Muppet makes it to the screen, you've usually had the puppeteers just cutting up and wisecracking and making stuff up with them behind the uh, scenes for hours and hours, and they've got the character down. But yeah, then again, that's not always true because you know. There's a there's a sketch with Fozzie Bear that they had to kind of pull out of storage because uh, it wasn't because they were like short for an episode of The Muppet Show. And it had been recorded so early that Frank Oz was using a different voice for him. So, oh, yeah. So they had the sketch already. So but they had to write a new, uh, you know, behind the scenes thing where uh Fozzie comes out and is like, hey, hey, Kermit, I'm ready for the cowboy sketch. Yeah. Do I sound like John Wayne? 
And that was the explanation for the voice he was using. Couldn't they have just redubbed the voice? I guess they didn't want to. I guess it was... Actually, I think it was funnier to uh, give a, uh, a wacky explanation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I, I that that's also pretty amusing. Um, well, um, now we know. Now that we know the 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 um, from the big book of racism, all the different Muppets uh, <laughs> uh, ethnicities. <laughs> But um, I think it's great that the Muppets are so uh, diverse. You know, it's such yes. a rainbow coalition. Um, I think it's, you know, it's very important to have, you know, a when you have characters like the Muppets and also to a certain extent, you know, some anything with like alien characters, because I noticed this a lot in Transformers fans, too. You get a much more diverse group because group of fans because you don't have kids looking at this and be like, they're all boys or they're all white. This isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. Um, anyway, Mandrake the magician. That's why they have Lothar in it too. So something for, you know, you you watch Mandrake and Lothar, you can see white people and black people working together for magic harmony. Um, that's yeah. all the kinds of people, I guess. There's no other kinds of people you don't need to worry about, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Well, there's also full-blooded Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they had her in this, so the, like, the full-blooded yes. Japanese can be like, ah, yes, her luminous eyes and pronounced cheekbones, you know, are very relatable to me. <laughs> but then they saw that she can't use chopsticks, and they were like, what the fuck? It's not... <laughs> She's not. She's she's not a uh, Japanese at all. A Japanese she's at all. She's not one of us. Um, she's a hafu. <laughs> she's a dragon. So what hafu. do we? Uh, <laughs> do we have any final thoughts about um, uh, Man- Mandrake? Mandrake and Son. Mandrake I don't know and if I Co. Wanna, I don't know if I want to give them away because we keep having so many good new ideas for Mandrake that maybe I don't want to, you know, give them away for free. You know, contact us, King Features. We've got better ideas for your property than, oh, and Mandrake, because there hasn't even been a Mandrake comic strip for 10 years now. So, you know, we're ready. Talk to us. We're re- we are ready to revive it and make it better and queerer and funnier than ever before. Yeah. So, you know, balls in your court, King Features. Yeah. Or should I say, Queen Features. Wink, wink. <laughs> 